0: Hello and welcome to Sharp China. I'm Andrew Sharp and you are listening to a free preview of
1: today's episode. You know, like any country, China ultimately is going to move on climate because of its own interests. And mm-hmm. they've, they had a horrible summer with floods, with droughts. You know, they they have all sorts of very existential domestic reasons to figure out how to address climate change. And they've done a, a tremendous amount around renewable energy. I mean, it, it is... You know, a lot of subsidies, a lot of non-market things, but but the Chinese have done a lot to move their energy mix.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good that they have existential incentives and also market incentives to try to push things forward on the climate front. Um, but you mentioned perceived Chinese hypocrisy. Earlier this week on cynicism. you wrote... A Financial Times story contains two potentially blockbuster revelations based on anonymous sourcing from the PRC side. One, that Putin lied to Xi when they met in February, and two, that PRC nationals were killed during the early days of the Russian invasion. It is ironic that after constant criticism of the use of anonymous sources, the PRC government appears now to be trying to change the narrative on its support for Putin and Russia with a strategically timed revelation to the FT one that if true makes Xi look foolish. Um there are other stories where it looks like China is catering to Russia and and at least not ready to denounce Russia along with the rest of the world. So I'm curious like what are the competing priorities right now as they try to navigate war in Ukraine?
1: Well, I think the, the biggest downside for the PRC and their stance on the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine has been the deterioration in relationships with the EU. Mm-hmm. I think they m- completely misread how um, key countries in the EU would react to the Russian invasion and how they would not buy this sort of Chinese attempt to straddle, you know, where they're trying to be on both sides. And in reality, they've effectively been. Offering um, rhetorical sort of information warfare type support for Russia, giving them cover the UN and other and other um, international fora. Um, so you see a pretty concerted attempt to shift the narrative in um, and put in, some in distance. So you economy. know, you no, had, no. so the German Chancellor visited and got sheet that denounced the idea of like threatening nuclear war, having a nuclear war. Um, in you know she has had a bunch of bilateral meetings at the G20, Macron, you know the 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 president of France, the same language around sort of not wanting to use nukes. I think um, trying to see what other what other leaders he did it with, but it but it's it's sort of a targeted message where any sort of a nuclear use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine would be bad for China too, um, because of, because of because of the, the, the turmoil it would cause geopolitically, the damage it would do economically, um, depending on the size, that eventually the fallout is going to blow into China most likely there is not really like an upside and i think the chinese realize that so they're trying to gingerly i mean it's really it's, it's a very contorted straddle where they're trying to to not not support putin but at the same time trying to do damage control from the uh, all the damage that's been caused in europe especially by its unwillingness to really condemn putin and in the, in the invasion of russia right and so um but the g20 you know there was a there was a communique that the chinese signed on to that mentioned that some members i mean i forget the exact language but it, it did it did use the term war when describing um the russian invasion which is something the chinese have resisted it's it's not clear that the chinese agreed that it was a war or they just signed a communique that had language that said some it's at some, most countries most countries yeah. think it's a war so that, again, is more likely a straddle. Where right. The Chinese didn't block it, but that they, um, they didn't endorse it. And now back to that quote, you know, what's interesting is, so Putin went to the Beijing for the Olympics, for mm-hmm. the Winter Olympics, and then he left, and a few days later, he, he invaded Ukraine. And at the time, I think it was the New York Times and maybe one other outlet had these stories that basically said, you know, one, one the New York Times, and they, I think it's true, that that the, um, that the U.S. had shared, had tried to share, had shared intelligence with the Chinese the, the, the same things they were a lot of stuff the U.S. was saying publicly about you know starting last fall that Russia was planning to invade Putin was going to do this do all these different things and the Chinese just didn't listen so that was one thing the second so 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 it's not like the Chinese system didn't at least have the possibility to look at information suggesting that Putin was going to invade that they may have just dismissed it entirely because it was from the U.S. and so it was some sort of a plot to split the two countries sure totally plausible but. The the um, the thing that really enraged the Chinese side was this New York Times article that basically said that the U.S. believed that she knew that that Putin had had basically told she that he was going to attack. Right, and right?
0: the idea that they were essentially just discussing the war, and discussing
1: it, and you know that she didn't, you know. But in my understanding is that the U.S. government actually doesn't have this positive intelligence that Putin said this to she. What what the New York Times got was. Um, some parts in the government, U.S. government, had come up with an analytical assessment, hmm. saying this is what we believe happened. And you know, depending on who you talk to, some people said the people who went with that assessment exaggerated it. Right. Right. So we don't know. Right.
0: Circumstantially, it does cir- not look. Great. No, it does not.
1: It does not look good. Right. But <laughs> so I can for,
0: understand why they would feel the need to try to put some distance between. But, but this quote
1: is interesting because you know the Chinese, the Chinese government has gotten more. Um, I've seen it more recently. There've been more sort of quotes from anonymous PRC officials. Uh-huh. Um, you know, usually you have different, like here as a senior administration official, you have different tiers of how you describe an official there. They say anonymous official. We have no idea who that is. We have no idea. Is like, is it the press guy at the embassy who just doesn't want to speak on the record, but is authorized to make this it has this. some takes, yeah. but it's a, it's a very interesting quote because basically it, lo- it, 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 you read that and it's the FT and, you know, a lot of people in Europe read it, and the EU read it, and the EU capitals So, "Okay, so so Putin hoodwinks she." So again, you could say, "Look, I, you know," and now I'm stuck. Now he's stuck, right? Because he, it's it's very difficult for him to publicly repudiate Putin because of all the personal investment in that relationship. Then again, the way that quote comes out is like, "Okay, well then, what's wrong with the PRC system that they didn't understand that this was going to happen when you know the U.S. was trying to tell them, other countries were trying to tell them." You know, it's a it's a massive intelligence failure on the PRC side and analytical failure if they didn't and consider the possibility that the Putin was going to invade. So it's a strange quote because it doesn't make she look good.
0: Well, to the extent that they're positioning themselves for the post-war environment, one of the most interesting theories you raised <laughs> is that they are lobbying for reconstruction well, contracts. This is, this is
1: this is my, this is like like on my list of things to watch when you know the war may be coming, like the war may be end, ending. Yeah. Is if you start seeing a pivot on the PRC side to being, like for example, if she were to call Zelensky, he's he has, he last spoke with the Ukrainian president in I think January, uh-huh. right? You know, for like the, I think it was like the anniversary of the 30th, 30 years of, of relations or something. It was big, made a big deal out of it. It's gone dark since then. Zelensky's spoken with the foreign minister, um, but she won't call him. It's a clear signal. If she actually has a conversation with Zelensky, forget all this other rhetoric and this sort of the stuff like leaking to the FT or whatever. If, if he actually picks up the phone and has a phone conversation with Zelensky, that will be a sign that the Chinese side has shifted. Okay. And part of that shift, and I'm very cynical, and hence the name of my newsletter, is <laughs> there is going to be a lot of money spent on reconstructing Ukraine. And the Chinese were a natural... Uh, partner in that reconstruction given their ability you know their, just their their massive capacity and skill in building large infrastructure projects quickly and its scale right. right and so they would want to get some of these contracts well and and, and and if they piss off the ukrainians too much it's gonna be harder for them to get those contracts
0: but the aspect of that story that i find truly fascinating is if they were awarded some of those contracts you relayed a theory from a source that said that could actually be beneficial to ukraine long
1: term so, so this, is a, this is a a a person um i, I don't want to, they have very good knowledge of russia and ukraine and i just uh-huh. I, told it to be anonymously but this person's theory and if i can, if they've written about it if i can find it i'll i'll, I'll post it or just disclose who it was Said, you know, the, the best thing for the Ukrainians to do and for the EU to do would be to get the Chinese involved. Because if the Chinese are in their building stuff, so they've invested, they put money in there, they're, you know, they're 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 financially incentivized, they send in PRC engineers, then Putin can't like decide to then attack again. Right. Because he doesn't want he's not, you know, then the Chi- then the Chinese will be really pissed and and what's interesting it was was, actually thought it made a lot of sense it it does make a ton of sense yeah that's a a smart person what
0: kind of leverage does china have over russia and what incentives does russia have to not piss china off
1: i mean you know russia china china's spending a lot of money on on, um, natural resources especially energy related stuff from russia Mm -hmm. um uh, russia needs chinese exports certain things you know they they want more high tech stuff, but they, you know, Russia, Russia doesn't have a lot of friends who actually have the ability to support their economy. Um, You know, from the Chinese perspective, I think from a, from a broader geopolitical view, Russia, I think she believed that Putin and Russia were a useful, a partner in sort of a broader struggle against the U S led West. Mm. Uh, I think that also now the downside for China of a catastrophic failure in Russia, you know, it's just a catastrophic defeat and the government changes to one that is not, that is, that is trying to be more uh, closer to the West or more, not only closer to the West, more of a democracy is a big problem for China considering the length of its border with Russia. Mm. Um, You know, it's much preferable to have somebody who is a more of a, of an authoritarian kindred spirit, Who's relying upon you, right? In Russia, than somebody who who has decided that they want to be part of the other camp. Well, which I think is how she kind of looks at it.
0: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I'm. officially... I hope it ends
1: soon. I mean, this is you know, it's hundreds of thousands of people are dead. It's like for all it's this geopolitical tragedy. test talk. It's it's just it's 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 crazy, and it really. I mean, I think the Chinese maybe are starting to understand that again. The damage, like. You know, Schultz went to – the German chancellor went a, couple, a few weeks ago. The French president's going to go early next year. I think today the Italian prime minister is going to go. You know, the Chinese are, the Chinese were so close at the end of the Trump administration to really driving a bigger wedge between the U.S. and the EU with this big in, investment deal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they they screwed up with these sanctions on some, some people in Europe. But, you know, that was fixable maybe. And then the Ukraine stuff happened and China straddled – you know, they did this, this crazy straddle, but the straddle is like 99% of their bodies on the Russian side of the fence. Like they've a toe, on <laughs> right? the, they've got a you know, leg hanging over. The, yeah, <laughs> and they have a foot on the other side, right? And they're, and they're trying to straddle. They and, refuse and no to call minded. it an invasion, yeah, no, too. no one in Europe's buying it. No, yeah. no serious politician, policymaker, person in Europe is buying the straddle.
0: All right, and that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive full episodes of this show, you can do that in two ways. First, you can go to cynicism.com and sign up for Bill's newsletter, which will also give you access to all of our Sharp China shows. Or if you want to receive all our Sharp China episodes, along with daily analysis of the tech business from Ben Thompson, several other podcasts about technology, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come, you can click the link in your show notes and subscribe to Stratechery Plus.